Welcome to the Money Collective Podcast. We're here to uplift your financial well-being. Your hosts are me, Mel Pierce, and Darlene Yu. We are the co-founders of the Money Collective, and together we have over 50 years of finance and banking experience. We provide the tools, information, and guidance to better understand your money and feel confident making money decisions. Welcome, everybody, to our uh, podcast number two. I know. <laughs> I, and thanks for coming back and listening. And we came back. Audience. And we came back. I know. <laughs> I know. We um, we re-listened to our first podcast because it was our very first one. And yeah, you know. I loved it. We loved it. It's I loved really it. Us, so so I would listen to me. <laughs> so supposing there's more me's around we're good we're good okay let's see how we go so today we want to talk about gender equity and money um and we did pose a little question on that at the end of um, podcast number one Mm. but first of all we want to start off with our truth because this is how we want to open every time so i don't know do you want to go first i'm gonna oh i was hoping you go first yeah um Yeah, so my truth, my truth this week is I have a 22-year-old um, beautiful son and uh, he is um, working out what he wants to do for the rest of his life. That's an interesting question in itself. So um, I've been quite triggered um, about, you know, that uncertainty of where he's at um, and he, to me, seems a bit stuck um, and while he's trying to work it out. So, you know, he's sleeping in, maybe relaxing, enjoying life. But, you know, how we've been conditioned and, and brought up, you know, you work hard, you get out, you keep going, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe I need to let it go. And uh, you know, So you're saying, like, your expectation of him was just to work hard, get up, go get a job. Mm. And this is really frustrating. That's right. And why does it frustrate me? I don't now? know. Why does it frustrate you? Why does it you? frustrate me? And it, it does come back to my money story, I reckon, because, you know, that's what you do in life. Because it's how you, you were conditioned. Uh, that's right. Conditioned. That's what you did. How you earn money. But I think our younger generations really don't want to waste their time in something that they don't enjoy. Um, so he had um, a day job for a year. But it really wasn't floating his boat. So he said, no, I don't want to do that anymore. And he stopped. So, you know, my generation, I was talking to my mum about it, right? And she says, what? He quit a job, you know, with no job to go to. But if you don't like that job, maybe maybe our younger generations are, are paving the way for the future generations to do it a bit differently. So you've taught him really good on purpose then. Maybe, have a purpose. Maybe I have. Or, but I would say that this is um, not a you thing. Um, and that this is pretty common that how do we motivate these young kids Mm. Um, and one option for us is to get super frustrated and kick Mm. kick them out of bed basically and make them go and do it Mm -hmm. or we see how this plays out which is scary it is scary you know because and trust that they've got this because our future generations yeah we're all different for a reason definitely and it really i think that is so good because what do i worry about i worry about that he's not building skills life skills to be able to be happy in life and earn money and and all those things and it might pass him by but but really having a break and working what you really want to do and also (laughs) so because like we were taught to work hard just go out and do it things good things happen to people who work hard yeah and because they're our own values, right? Because mm. it's what we inherited. Mm-hmm. And then there's this thing how we look at other people like that guilt, like my mm. kid's lying in bed 
and like we don't want to kind of admit that to our friends too yeah. like you want to be able totally. to say i know my mum like from my experience <laughs> wanted to say her children were married oh yeah and, or had been to university right <laughs> so that she can go and brag to her too. friends and so how yeah. it's not braggable to go oh my kid's lying in bed yeah and quit and their job. Sleeping to lunchtime and quit his job. Because he right. hasn't found the purpose. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. But again, I, I think that's important, the stigma around how we behave and, um, you know, linking it back to what we do. It, but they're your feelings, not his feelings it's mine. too. Yes. A- absolutely. He seems fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he'll work it out. Yeah. And maybe he'd work it out quicker if we got off. Yep. Oh, you got off his case. I, I, I think, don't know. I think that is absolutely right because what am I, I saying to him? I'm saying to him that I don't think you've got this and I need to step in and control the situation, which is totally not the case. I think he's great and fantastic, but I think with my actions, that's what it's portraying. Um, Interesting. Mm. So patience. Anyway, yes. I feel like we need to see how this one plays out. Yeah, keep it posted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All righty. So my truth. Um, happened a couple of weeks ago now. And so we decided to buy one of our employees a car. Mm. So we're buying a company vehicle for the very first time. We pick it up on Friday and we're going to have lots of balloons and excitement. It's a very exciting (laughs) thing for us and that staff member who's never owned a new car before. And anyway, the process was we'd narrowed it down to a couple of cars and we were going to go to two different dealerships to test drive the cars Mm -hmm. and decide which car. So we went to the first dealership and we walked in. The customer service, to be honest, wasn't great. Mm. Um, The care, like it wasn't really welcome. And I feel like most people could relate to this. It's not very hard for people to sell cars nowadays, right? Anyway, we had a mediocre experience test driving the car we learned a bit about the car its features how it worked the guy didn't want to let us take it out for a test drive because Mm. it was raining i realized Mm. that he would have to come back and dry the car so he could put it back into the showroom and that would be a bit inconvenient anyway pushed for that test drive (laughs) took Mm. the car out it was pretty good actually Mm -hmm. the car will impressed actually by Mm. yeah how it drove and what its features were right got back no one else in the car yard mel was that right no there was no one just us busy 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 yeah no they were not busy Mm. we interrupted their lunch time great customer service (laughs) (laughs) anyway so we come back from the drive and we are impressed and we want to know a little bit more about Mm. the finance terms on the car because we want to finance the car and take a loan out and um, so the salesman says, right, you've got to talk to finance man and sit down in my office, please, ladies. And um, <laughs> so the purpose for me to go and talk about finance is because I want to know in real terms, uh, we were very, mm. we were prepared to buy a car on that day. And in fact, we did buy a car yep. on that day. Yep. Because um, that's the way we roll and, and Mel loves to get things done. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was asking about the terms of the finance. Mm. <sighs> anyway, I asked about, I asked what the interest rate was. And he mm. said to me that I didn't need to know what the interest rate was. Mm. I asked what the repayments were. He said, I don't need to know what the repayments were. Oh, I'm triggered now. I feel like because boiling. And <laughs> uh, he said, you just need to tell me if you've decided on the car yet. 
And what colour? Maybe your pretty little colour or something? No, he didn't ask what colour, but he definitely said, I can't tell you Mm. any specifics. And we'd only test drove one car. We were only interested in one car. And I had said, well, we're going to test drive one other car at this other dealership, so we don't know yet. But I want to know for our decision-making what the repayments and what the terms of the finance will Mm. be. And he continuously told me that it did not matter. And I didn't and I should have said that I was a finance expert Mm. I'm a mortgage broker I do finance and I and it is important we're financial well-being coaches I we talk about knowing your number (laughs) all the time I need to know what the numbers are to see whether this is viable or not I need to know the number how else to make a decision whether this is the car for me to buy can I afford this car (laughs) that's right Yep. Anyway, he gave me some rough numbers because I pushed so hard. I had mm. been treated like crap mm. is mm. all I can say. Mm-hmm. I was horrified. I wondered while I was sitting there if I was a man whether I'd be treated the same yeah, way. I don't think so. <sighs> I'd love to know, you know, um, from the audience. So, you know, please, you know, um, put some comments in um, because I'd love to know if, you know, if you're a female and you've purchased a car, your experience, because I... I have a feeling this is very common. And also, so I just want to round it out too with the end of my experience. So that's how we walked out of that car. Yeah, slightly impressed with the car, more so than what we expected. Mm -hmm. Completely felt like crap walking out of there after having that money conversation. Then we walked into the next dealership. The car was pretty good. We were impressed. We were welcomed with open arms. When we sat down with the finance mm. lady, mm. just happened to be, I she had answered all my questions before I'd asked a question. Mm. And I'm not saying that this is gender-based. I know we're having a gender-based conversation today, and I really don't think it is. It's just pure customer service, right? I, and I had walked out of there yeah. with a whole piece of paper with mm. all of the numbers on it. And then she said, do you have any questions for me? And I'm like, you've actually answered all of them. You're amazing. But this is, this is a gender, gender question for me because culturally there's a belief that women don't care or need to know, need to know or I have a, a money mind. I, I think culturally that, that can be a stigma that some people believe um, and maybe... Um, the salesman uh, thought that. And obviously uh, we purchased through emotions and we bought that second car on the day. And yep. Yep. well, picking it up tomorrow, it's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. So good story, bad story. It was horrifying. And the last thing that I'm going to do is I'm actually going to go back into that dealership and explain my experience with them yep. because I feel like it's important that we call these things out because what I didn't do in that moment was say how I felt. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting one too because um, we want to step into that and be leaders um, um, of those experiences because we don't call it out. That that salesman probably didn't even know, know what he was, was doing. Totally unaware. It was probably completely normal behaviour. That's right. So we have. How does given, he know? He hasn't had the feedback. No. Um, so I think I think that's really cool that you're going to do that. And um, um, you know, yeah. If anyone takes anything out of it, for me, it is when we're in those situations. Sometimes we can't think on the spot, um, and we reflect on it later. Um, and how can we address those things? But maybe the more we practice, we can learn to think on the spot and give that feedback straight away in a, a very kind way, not an angry way. Um, I know. Yeah. I think it was hard for me in that moment, though, mm. to do that because I was those emotions are high. So, mm. 
And I think we're going to get better at it through practice. Mm. I think it, I think practice is what we need to do because we don't want to be the crazy lady. No, but maybe we do. No, that's right. <laughs> and then, and then we can, you know, that's how change happens. You know, if if we don't call those things out when it happened, and then you know, we, there's no point talking about it behind his back um, no, or anybody's it back doesn't because create change. that's not creating change. That's right. We need to, yeah, open communication. That's it. And say how it is. So it's great segue into our main topic of the day, which is gender equity and money. Oh, it's a biggie. So what are you? (laughs) Oh, that's right. Well, I reckon before we go into some of the thoughts, Mel, uh, let's talk about, you know, some of the stats. Um, ANZ do uh, have a wellbeing survey that they do every year. Yes, they do. Um, So if you can use that as an example and... um, Mm. Um, they did a take on financial well-being for women off their annual That's survey. It. So they cut the and diced the women um, out of the statistics, basically, because it was evident that women were having worse outcomes than men mm. for all um, categories. Mm. So it didn't matter the age or the demographics behind the women. Basically, mm. every... Actually, there was only one category of women who had a higher financial well-being mm. than what was men. That? Yeah, it's single women with no children. Oh my <gasps> gosh! Okay, single women, yeah. no children. Yep. But as soon as you're partnered or have and or have children, doesn't matter if you're a single parent or not, then your outcomes are worse than men. Gosh. So if you're single, you don't have kids, you work all your life. Women, because w- what the statistics mm. are also saying is mm-hmm. that women are better at saving. Mm. Women are better at investing. Mm. So out of these statistics, that even though we've got those habits down pat really good, we're still having worse outcomes, right? Yeah. So why is that? And then, so ANZ are fabulous on this. Like we don't, You won't usually hear us advocating for banks like this, by the way. But <laughs> these surveys that they do provides so much information and what basically when because they're looking at financial well-being and over 50 percent of our financial well-being is saying is brought up by us is uh, our socioeconomic Mm. conditions yeah right and only 46 percent of our financial well-being is how well we are managing money so Mm -hmm. even though we're fabulous at managing Mm. money Mm. Right, we yep. can save our little hearts out and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You can almost put that to the side and say, "Hang on, what really matters for our financial outcomes is our economics, our socioeconomic yep. position. That's right. Whether we're married, what our job is, our housing situation, whether we're married and have children. Yep. And they're almost things that we can't influence. They're mm. things that we're born into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I am saying is that we've got a problem with society. Oh, it's definitely a societal problem. It's mm-hmm. not a women's problem. It's not a men's problem. It's society. I mean, I suppose naturally uh, females tend to be the primary caregiver and are out of the workforce or, or choose to take that role in the family for a period of time. But then the impact financially that it has on them throughout life, they have less superannuation. Um, so we, as part of financial well-being, a major part is financial resilience. And that's about you know, having money in case of, um, you know, uh, an event, so economic um, uh, sickness, you know, uh, those sort of things. Um, somebody loses their job. But, but 
Yeah, and superannuation is a part of that um, Definitely. for your later life and, and how you can live it. Um, because our superannuation, right, if we think about how we're earning money, mm. I remember when I had time off with my children. So I had four mm. years off. Mm. I didn't really like what I was doing beforehand. I thought, and it was finance yep. and mortgage broking, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I don't. Re- that was hard. I don't want to go back and do that again. Yes. And then this is what happened. Mm. My husband, I said, I might want to go back and study. And he said, you never finish a course, Mel. Mm. I don't want to pay your hex debt again. And I don't, like it was a money, com- it was made on, was we, ba- you, we on can't money. afford you to or go to, of that. go yeah, to university and upskill yourself. I was also receiving a family tax benefit. Mm. Um, at the time. So that mm. was, and I was hiding that from him too. I didn't even tell him that I was getting it because that was my money. You felt that was a bit of independence? Totally. Yeah, that's right. Because right? I wanted some autonomy mm. over some of the money that was coming in mm. and how to spend it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, what if I start going back to work, I'm going to lose, the, I'm basically being paid to stay at home. Mm. Should I even go and get a job? Or should I stay home because I'm receiving money for mm. staying home with my children and then I've got to go pay for childcare? Mm. Mm-hmm. So the way the system is set up is, wasn't to make me go back out and get a job. Yeah. It was to stay home. Yeah. Yeah. A, a whole system is around that, but there's also a cultural feel that if you stay home and raise your children, that is not a job. Like, you know, that in itself. And so because it's not contributing you know, physical dollars to the family. Oh, that's um, right. And bec- the mentality and the dynamics yeah. in the family for yeah. you to be able to make money decisions because you haven't contributed. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And all the coaching that we do, that is um, one thing I, I see the most. And particularly when I'm working or doing mortgage broking with, the, you know, young couples buying their first house, for example, I talk about this a lot because what I see over time is – it's, it's gradual and it's subtle, but females in particular, because they're not earning money for a period of time, they lose their self-esteem um, because they're not earning and bringing it to the family. They feel like they haven't got an equal seat at the table with decisions and life things that happen. And, mm. you know, maybe that example, Mel, of going back to school and education could underlying be part of that like I might not have the was it a feeling that I don't have the right to do that because I'm not the main income earner into this family Mm. so I can't make that decision and then you've got like those beliefs also around how we want to raise our children yeah and be good mothers and yeah and that perception of what a good mother is that's that's exactly right topic for another day maybe but yeah yeah because like we have though we're carrying all of those emotions around how we do things yeah. as individuals. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah. And look, the other message here, you know, about these financial well-beings, you know, outcomes for women. So women over 50 are the one of the biggest, most vulnerable groups um, between having a home and being homeless. Now, how scary is that? Because if you haven't worked, you've been out of the workforce and then you're trying to put yourself in there. We've got low Mm self-esteem. Hello, gender pay gap again, Mm -hmm. like because we're not advocating for ourselves and we just think, well, getting a job is the first best next thing. Yeah. And And your relationship breaks down. Yeah. What happens then? And your earning potential is out. For me in my situation where I had been out, 
I'm like, what job do I actually get? Right. So this is mm. how I got back into the workforce. I thought, well, what am I going to, mm. I'm going to be a checkout chick mm. at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Like that was a viable option. <laughs> I actually ended up doing some gardening for a little while, like odd jobs. And then yeah. I thought, no, I've got to take this back in, take control of this. And I was running at the time and Mm. Um, when my body goes into that rhythm, like my brain really starts to think. Mm. And I thought, no, this skill that I've got on mortgage broking, how can I do that? That's right and away from me. And that's how I brought the mortgage broking back up again. And I was going to do it for myself, but then I met you and here we are. And now we are doing it for ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) But it took like a different way of thinking and that there weren't really supports around me to help me do that mm. either. Yeah, you're doing it on your own. I was. Forward. Yeah. 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 And I think those feelings inside of us are really interesting. And, you know, till later in life, I haven't been able to articulate that. So I got two children. There's a 10-year gap. And I went back to work very fast after both of them. But the reason I had this innate feeling that, if I didn't keep working and keep my skills up, I'd be left behind and I didn't want to be left behind. So, but I've always felt guilty about not being that mum at home, um, you know, and how society views that primary caregiver being at home, being present and and for your kids all the time. Mm. So I still have that guilt. Um, But I would always justify it as I'm a better person for them because you know I'm I'm doing the things that I love and making a contribution to society. So, um, but a lot of it was that fear of being left behind, you know, left behind, and not yeah. being able to be independent and equal at the table at at our finance table at home. That has been so important to me yeah, because even me when you're unequal, how do you get that guts to be equal at the table? Yeah, and I see some women doing that mm-hmm. fabulously. Mm-hmm. Because we grew up, and this comes back to your money not, story, doesn't it? Like yeah. you grew up in a family where, um, well, my mum stayed at home. Um, Mel's story is a little bit different, but my mum stayed at home and did that. And so I, I always have that guilt. My mum was a wonderful mum and I'm not as good as her because of, of that. So there's yeah. so many thoughts and trade-offs that we I make. It, why is it a trade-off? Probably I, was... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Why is it a trade-off? Yeah. It's not because we're empowering our kids to be yeah. amazing humans. Yeah. So my story, now that you say that out loud, I can see that my mum, you know how I said I did it on my own? My mum probably was exactly my inspiration because yeah. she had four kids. The youngest was a baby yeah. and she put herself through university and went and got herself a that's full-time right. job. I think that's a phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I can see that, and this comes back yeah. to your first thing that you were saying up front about the working hard. I saw my parents mm. slog it out, work mm. hard. Mm-hmm. you know mm. and that's what we you know learned how to do that yeah and that's where also all of our these beliefs come from our money story do. right money stories if so you really powerful. need to get into it people unpack it as i um y- you can go surface level but go deeper and really join the dots and make connections and you know, think about what's serving you and what's not. That's right, because we can <laughs> leave those stories behind and start making our own decisions. And yeah. um, I think the hard thing is too, just tying this up a little bit more, is for those women in particular who have decided to stay home and mm. then, then there is a relationship breakdown, mm. you've found yourself out of the workforce. 
Yep. And then you've got to sort out a housing situation and how to feed mm-hmm. the family. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? That yep. is so hard. It's really hard. And that's that vulnerable group that you were talking about. Yeah. And and they don't have to be 50. You know, I use that well, age. You can it's be the younger. age is that because yeah. we, we yeah. know that we can't yeah. leave the relationship because we're dependent on it for yeah. money. I, I've seen. And so you wait till the kids have grown yeah. up enough to look after themselves. You try and make them as independent as possible. Exactly. Throughout the years that, you know, I've helped people with finance, I've seen people, and it's such a fine line being homeless or having a home and you know i've seen people on that cusp um where there's there's oh gosh I've, i think of one client that used to couch surf and she was in a domestic violent um situation she stayed at home she was a nurse before she got married and she stayed at home with her children because that's what she decided to do and she stayed in that environment till her kids had left home and then she decided she needed to get out and she had nothing. And it's sometimes, you know, people think of property settlements and, and you might have family asset as the house, mm. but it takes time for that property settlement to go to go through. So if you don't have skills or being able to earn money in the meantime to be able to leave, how do you house yourself? How do you recreate those skills to be able to do something? So people find it really difficult to leave, um, you know, and... Yeah, it, this lady was couch surfing and um, she didn't need, by the time the property settlement come back, she didn't need very much money, but she mm. couldn't even get a job as a lollipop lady. Mm. And she was trying to do whatever it took just to be able to keep a mm. house and, and invest in a roof over her head, which would, it was actually a really good thing for her because she didn't need to borrow very much mm. um, because there was money coming from the house sale um, and that would like be heaps cheaper than paying rent. But from a bank perspective, lending her money because she didn't have the earning capacity was too great a risk and they wouldn't lend. And it was a heaps better outcome for her. So, yeah, yeah. Look, good story. She ended up getting the house and it was great. Um, And we worked through and she got a job and sorted out. But, yeah. So this makes me think that there's like mm, we've got systemic issues and that these aren't women's issues. They're cultural issues within our society Mm. so um and Mm. we can look at this on face value right and Mm. go what well you're a woman Mm. you've got equal rights Mm. you can go and get a job you Mm -hmm. can vote Mm -hmm. but there was a point in time when we couldn't do those things (laughs) we couldn't even own a house we couldn't be on a property title and (laughs) it not too long ago it was not illegal for somebody to not hire you because of your gender that's right my grandmother had to stop working when she got pregnant that's right. And she, yeah. So we've inherited, these are like deep-seated things that we're growing out of, right? Mm. And then, but you might go, right, well, that's the past. That's not today. Mm. But if you look at what's happening right now today, well, actually, I know I've got a friend who runs a business and she said to me that she doesn't like employing women. Oh. Because yeah. they have babies and they have time off and they're unreliable. Yeah. So we've yep. got a problem, people. Yep. So our workplaces are not set up for women. Yeah. So they're not happy workplaces. They are hard workplaces. They're not um, uh, conducive to being flexible enough, mm-hmm. you know. So we are providing workplaces that don't cater for half of our population and half of our population feels shit about their money and has is having bad outcomes. Yeah. Yep. So this is not a problem for women to fix. It's a problem for our 
society to fix i agree and the very first thing we can do um which is you know obviously we're very passionate about this topic but as financial well-being is a a key area um if you first of all learn and understand what financial well-being is and we'll help you through that through these podcasts but it's a really good starting place and it's for men and women to understand what the pieces are of financial well-being and everybody working on everybody's financial well-being because we've uplift everybody's financial well-being we will be able to have that flow on effects of you know cultural change Mm. and i think it's a really good place to start Mm. so financial well-being is feeling good about your money right now and being optimistic for the future um and yeah so our workplaces to me is where it needs to start so if i just go back early doors in this podcast we're talking about a and z doing those stats i said that over 50 percent of um it came from the socioeconomic conditions Mm. that we live in and the biggest influencer of that Mm. is your earning capacity Mm -hmm. right yep so basically and then we've got the gender pay gap Mm -hmm. so basically we're saying you're a woman you're going to earn 72 cents compared to every dollar a man earns yep Yep. And we're currently ranked 14th as a country, I think, in overall gender equity as Australians. Mm-hmm. That was 26 before the latest yep. Albanese government came yep. in. So we're making some inroads, but we are definitely not there yet. And we are not playing in an equal, fair playing field. Mm-hmm. And to me, because it comes down, if we can change this and move the dial in financial well-being, and the biggest and easiest place for it to be is on income. So mm-hmm. I think it comes down to workplaces mm. taking responsibility mm-hmm. for how we employ um, and yep. remunerate women. Yep, and renew- yes, that's right. I think I think in addition though, there is if if everybody understands what financial wellbeing is. So it's it's not gender just for women. No, it's, it's not. for everybody and to understand what actually financial wellbeing is. And if that education is there and the understanding is there. And then we can be actually take self-responsibility more in the, in the family homes about how we distribute money, how do we feel about money, how do we make decisions about money um, to make sure that we both got financial resilience mm. um, and how that money is you know, shared and how it's viewed. It's the beliefs of, of, of how it's viewed and, and whose it actually is. Mm. So uh, this is so brings me back to that Logan your son oh. conversation earlier because this all comes down to our feelings really, oh, yeah, doesn't it, does. it? It does, and that's how we're going to move forward. It's yeah. not facts and figures. That's it. The facts and figures help release some of the emotion around it, now fear and um, and what strength we put on it. But once we understand it, then we can really, yeah. Change. And let it go and change and focus on yeah, yeah. making a difference and, and living in our society um, differently. But so, financial well-being is one of the – it's the very first place to start um, across the board, I believe, for gender gap. And if we can do that, you know, and spread that word and empower The gender people, pay gap. But also workplaces. And there's also heaps of advantages for workplaces um, to have women in the workforce. 
Oh my gosh, <laughs> just think naturally about it. I've heard people going, but why would you want women to be firefighters? I'm like, because in an emergency, they think awesomely and can tell you how to fucking save someone. Yeah, I'm going to just drop F-bombs every yeah, podcast. Yeah, I love this. I love it. Um, yeah, it's right. I mean... Everybody, I mean, workplaces are talking about it everywhere. You know, women in the workforce are needed. You know, it brings different points of view. There's different strengths. All of everything that everybody knows. So, you know, it's a bit of a seesaw, isn't it? So on one hand, we say that. But on the other hand, oh, my God, they might have babies. We can't employ them. Oh, please. It's a bit of a mismatch. So, and how, you know, yeah, so the workplaces, anybody that's working, you know, in management and senior management in a workplace... I would really, you know, critically think about all the things that you're, you're your doing company and to you su- might be doing to, to support, support women, to be there, to come to work there, to stay <laughs> working there. That's right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and as I said, I think it's the two-pronged approach, uh, definitely in the workplace and definitely at home, bringing equality to the table, whether you're a man or a woman um, yeah. and how you do that. So I'm going to move us on uh, to our question of the week, the yeah. week <laughs> which came from our beautiful Miranda. She's our marketing manager. Yep. So we'll play the question for you. Yep. Hello. Hi. So my question is, um, do I need a redraw account or do I need an offset account? Mm-hmm. When would I need a redraw versus an offset? What exactly are they and why would I go with one over the other? So for, for me, I know that I am not going to tap into my home loan really to take out just one or two grand. I'm going to tap in to take maybe 15 or 20 or 30 grand out to buy a new car or to do something like that. So um, would an offset or a redraw be better for me if I'm just taking out these lump sums at a time, very sparingly, like maybe once in five years? Um, or would that be better in with an offset i don't quite understand which one would make the home loan repayments cheaper uh in that time yeah so thank you if you could help me work that out let's do it (laughs) okay (laughs) thanks miranda for asking that question around offsets and redraw and how the hell do they work and what do you do yeah (laughs) yeah do you want to lead this yeah so first of all um I think it's a good place to start. To, uh, we'll try and break down exactly what an offset and a redraw actually is. So um, when you have a home loan, you can do two things if you've got extra money. One is you can put it into your home loan. So that's actually putting extra money than other than your minimum repayment into your home loan. And what happens is everything that you pay above the minimum repayment becomes like your loan is in advance. Um, or we call that redraw. And what that means is you can get the money back out at any given time. What that does is because uh, the way home loans work is interest is calculated daily and you pay it monthly. So like at the end of every day in the background, what is your balance? Times it by your interest rate, times by one day. That's the amount of accrued interest that is calculated for that day. Every day the same thing happens and at the end of the month your interest is charged. So by putting extra money in your home loan reduces your home loan balance. So it means you're paying a bit less interest on that. But redraw means you're able to get that extra money out Mm any time you like. Now that's redraw. Offset account actually works the same way, but it sits in a different account. It's actually like an everyday savings account. So you might 
whatever, if you've got an offset account, every bit of money that you've got in that account at the end of every night is offset against your loan. So if you've got $5,000 in that account and your loan is $300,000, at the end of the night, you know, end of that day, your balance is $295,000, you pay interest on $295,000. So in essence, they work exactly the same way with interest saving. Whatever the balance is, is 100% offset. It's just a different style of keeping your money either in a different account or... That's exactly it, in the whole loan account. That's right. So when you log into internet banking, you can see, let's say you've got an offset account and a home loan, right? So you've got your home loan account there and you've made extra repayments and you can see the redraw balance available mm-hmm. in it. Yep. And then you've got an offset account over here, which has got your everyday savings in it. Mm. So that all the redraw and all the offset are working towards paying down the home loan fast as possible. Yeah. But um, this offset account might be more of an everyday transactional account. Yep. Whereas Miranda was saying, you know, she's put got her money all in the redraw in the home loan mm. and she just wants to access mm-hmm. it every now and again for big lump sums. Which to me yeah. seems like a really good way to, I think to, she's doing the right thing. To go thing. about it. I agree. And I would actually, um, so for financial well-being, um, part of um, financial well-being is understanding your money and how it works within your account. So you might set up account systems um, and some banks offer what we call multiple offset accounts. So um, to decide whether it's better in offset or redraw, um it could be linked to how you want to set up your budgeting systems and different accounts for different things. Because if that's the case, offsets might be the best way to go. And if you've got a bank with multiple offsets, you might have three or four accounts. You might have a, you know, a uh, bills account, you know, your spending account and a savings account. And it might be for that lumpier money that you actually use the redraw for that savings account. So you can actually use both. So, uh, yeah, with Mm. what Miranda's done, I think that that's really great because she has got all of her money going into that redraw account. Mm. She doesn't want to access it regularly, Mm -hmm. right? So she, her primary focus is to pay down that loan. Um, and then that is like her savings, like what you're saying. Yeah. So she wants to pull a bit out. That's That's good. Now with Miranda, I do know because I set up her home loan, um, that we chose a loan that didn't have offset accounts. So she actually in the loan that she's got right now doesn't have mm. offset accounts. So she doesn't have that ability to choose which one she wants. So which means her yep. money has to go into that redraw, redraw account yeah. to make the most of it. And yep. the great thing is she's got that mentality of not pulling it out all the time, right? So it's getting that maximum and benefit. That's what I would say. So sometimes people say, should I use offset or redraw? So other than think about your budgeting system, the other thing is what sort of discipline do you have? And if, depending on what your loan has options for, but if it's got all of them, then, you know, if, you know, you feel there's a mind belief that if it's in the loan, that you might be less wanting to take Take it it out. out. If it's sitting in an everyday account, you might think it's more accessible for everyday use. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I do too, because I've got multiple offsets on mine. So I've got my everyday spending Mm. plus other savings. Mm -hmm. So the things that I save to spend for like holidays and things, but then what goes in my home loan Mm. stays in the home loan and I've got a no holds barred. That is like life and death emergency stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
Awesome. I'm going to so, save a life with that. Hope Money. that helps, Miranda. Yes. <laughs> so I would say just leave um, that with know whether you've got offset available, whether you've got redraw. Everything that we've talked about today only applies to variable rate home loans and not fixed mm. rates. So you need to know what your products and what you've got available. Then work out what you need in your life and the costs. So the reason why Miranda doesn't have an offset account is because the basic loan that just had redraw was cheaper. Yep. So uh, we did a bit of point. an analysis yep. on that as well. Yeah. And Mel's mentioned that it is only variable accounts. Look, there are one or two banks that do have um, offset against fixed rate, but it is rare. Very rare. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thanks for that question. Now, we would love everybody to start <laughs> providing us with questions. Yes. But until then, you'll be getting <laughs> internal questions and answers in this section. <laughs> yes, that's right. And now we just to want to leave you with a thought-provoking question. Um, that we'll talk more about in the topic next week. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thought-provoking question uh, this week is... How are we educating our children and paying it forward for the next generation? Right. What uh, what mind beliefs or money beliefs are we leaving them with? And, uh, you know, even our what practically we do with money in the household, how are we serving our kids with how we behave with money? And I think that that was really relevant, like, if, and thought-provoking from the conversation we had today around yep. household women. Yeah. <laughs> what and are we roles, doing? What roles we play. That's right. Yep. Very much so. I'm very excited to bring that next time. So thanks for joining (laughs) us um, and we'll see you then. See ya. At The Money Collective, we provide financial wellbeing, premium coaching, mortgage broking and workplace financial wellbeing programs, which we couldn't do without the seamless support of our fabulous team. If you'd like to find out more, head to themoneycollective.com.au or our socials to take action and engage our services. In our Facebook group, join the conversation and help us break down the taboo around money. All content in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is general in nature. For tailored personal advice, please seek out a professional.